0: In today's episode, we discuss overcoming past trauma, personal growth, healing relationships, the value of traditional gender roles, Mexican and Latin culture, and more. I really hope you'll enjoy today's episode with Icy Amy. And as always, if you could hop on and leave us a quick review on your podcast platform of choice, it helps us to spread the word. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today's show is brought to you by IcePod, finally an affordable, portable, and effective way to get the benefits of cold water immersion in the comfort of your own home. I opted for the Pro Bundle which includes the ice pod, a water circulating pump, a special insulated lid, and a thermometer to check the temp of your water. Even in Georgia, the ice pod keeps my water between 60 and 70 degrees, and when I load it up with a 36 pack of water bottles that I use and refreeze after each session, I can easily get it around 50 degrees for the perfect cold water immersion experience. Despite being light and portable, the ice pod is super durable and it's the perfect solution for anyone who wants to experience the benefits of cold water immersion without spending thousands of dollars for a home water chiller or trying to DIY your own. Cold immersion can help with recovery and muscle soreness, raise dopamine levels, help you wake up and be more alert, help you to burn more calories, mobilize brown fat, and more. Visit podcompany.com and use my special promo code SHANE50107 for $10 off your order, and each sale helps to support the show as well. Stay cool out there, people. Are you looking for the perfect high-protein snack that isn't loaded with stuff like MSG, nitrates, and sugar? Carnivore Snacks is the perfect high-protein snack made from quality grass-fed beef and salt. That's it. Each bag uses one pound of high-quality beef, lamb, pork, or chicken, salt, and nothing else. Aside from being easy, healthy, and convenient, they also taste great. These snacks are not just another jerky. They are way better. Give a bag a try, and I know you'll keep coming back. Check out Carnivore Snacks spelled with an X, dot com. And enter coupon code SHANE05137 for 15% off your order, and each sale will help support the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast as well. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, where ancient and modern wisdom come together to create a better way of living. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen, and each week we speak with successful people from a plethora of disciplines in search of wisdom from their own lives. Your own personal renaissance begins today. Let wisdom be your guide. Hey everybody, welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast. I'm here with today's guest, Amy. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I feel so honored that you asked me to be on your podcast.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to uh, get to know you a little bit more and speak a little bit. I've, obviously, I've seen I've seen your page grow a lot um, as my page has grown over the years, um, and I've seen kind of a transformation that you've gone through. So I'm, I'm interested to learn more about you. So um, why, you. why don't you you know tell the viewers and myself just a little bit more about you and your background?
1: okay so um my name is amy i'm 27 years old i am a mother of four i'm also a wife i do content creating as kind of like a passion and it's been like a i guess you would say therapeutic outlet and i'm also a host of for the souls podcast which is pretty much testimonial based podcast um i feel like i have done a complete 360 in my life and it was definitely a long journey and process. And I want to share that with the world because I went through it alone and I don't want people to feel alone on their journey. So it's really been my passion to just stand in my testimony and share it with others and share the testimony of others in hopes that it inspires somebody.
0: That That's very cool. I um, I, I share similar, right? Like I've been obviously inspired a lot by just wisdom in general in the ancient world. And I think it's really cool that, um, you know, you found something that helped you and you want to go out and share that with others. And it's, it's interesting, right? Cause I remember like I started my page about a couple of years ago and I, I think we ended up following each other pretty early on.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, a lot of your posts when you started was, it was like you were still kind of figuring yourself out so to speak. And I kind of saw you going through this, like, you know, you were talking about like, you know, kind of turning from like toxic into kind of like awakened as a, as an individual. So um, what, what are you like, what are you currently working on aside from, you know, obviously I know you're working on the podcast and stuff too.
1: Well, I think, I mean, personally with self, well, you know what, actually it would be in life in general, um, maintaining balance. I feel like in my opinion, having balance is one of the fundamental keys to success in life. And I feel like that's the one thing I've learned over the years, you know, just overcoming the person that I used to be and becoming who I am now. I, in in retrospect, I see that I was very much always more one way than the other, you know what I mean? Or just mm-hmm. no balance whatsoever in my life. And I feel like in observing life in general, even when it comes to like politics Spirituality, mothering, relationships, there has to be a balance of it all. So I find that in today's climate, it's a lot harder than um, normal because there's so much pressure to be one way or the other, not only politically, but with yourself, you know, mm-hmm. that me just maintaining and making sure that I am educating myself in all aspects, anything that intrigues me, being my best self. Um, making sure I'm being a diligent mother, a diligent wife, those kinds of things are very, very important to me.
0: That's something that I've thought a lot about too. Um, recently I've been spending a lot of time thinking about like Aristotle has this thing he talks about, like the golden mean or the the middle way. they talk about it in Buddhism too, where it's like, specifically with Aristotle, the example that I always throw out and some of the listeners are probably getting tired of this one, but, um, like for example, courage, courage is a sweet spot in between like brashness or foolhardiness and cowardice, right? Because mm-hmm. if someone is, you know, if they're brash, they just run into a battle without like making a strategy or a plan. They just get killed immediately versus, mm-hmm. you know, someone that's a coward, they just, they never run into the battle at all. And, you know, so that's where like, you know, the, the middle way is a lot of times like balancing in between these two extremes and of course. Sometimes we're bouncing back and forth like a, you know, a pinball, but oh, yeah. um, trying to find that balance, I think, is absolutely crucial.
1: Definitely. And it depends the adversity that you're experiencing or the obstacles that you're going through in life in general. It, it, it really is circumstantial what approach you take. You know some situations do require that you stand up and you be a warrior and you set those boundaries or stand firm in what you believe in other times it's a learning experience where you take a step back and you kind of analyze yourself and where could i be better is this a learning opportunity for me and being able to identify those things and adjust accordingly and doing so with like a like a very curious heart i try to just -hmm. And I've always been this way, like since a kid. I've always just been very intrigued with people, psychology, why things are the way they are, why people do the things that they do. And in my own healing journey, getting to know myself in that way has been really like challenging, but also very rewarding, you know?
0: Yeah. You're, you're talking a lot of philosophy right now and you don't even, you don't even know how, how philosophical you are right now.
1: Um, Really? I want to share my mom, um, my mom put herself (laughs) through nursing school. She had to take some philosophy classes. And I remember I would, it was like in the middle of my healing journey. Right. And I would tell her all these like epiphanies that I was having in my life and just these, these. I don't know, enlightenments that were going off. And I would call her like, mom. So I was thinking about this. And then this came up. And then I realized this, you know, and just about life in general. And she was like, have you ever studied? And I, I have not studied philosophers. She's like, have you ever studied? I think she said Dante. And I was like, no, I don't know who that is. She's like, are you serious? I was like, no, never. She's like, literally the things that you're saying, I'm learning about with him. And I was just, I was so shook because she was like, how do you know these things? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Life is teaching me.
0: Yeah, that's like the thing about, you know, I think a lot of times people have the wrong idea about philosophy in general is I always go back to this idea of when you ask most people what philosophy is, they just think of like, they think of a bunch of like old white men at some like Ivy League school with beards and they're like 80 years old and they're discussing metaphysics, you know, like, yeah but, but the whole origin of philosophy was, it's just the love of wisdom, which you've already established. Right. That's, that's something, you know, the, the Greek etymology just means lover of wisdom. So you're, okay. you are a philosopher, right? You, you said from a young age that you've had this curious spirit, Socrates and Plato say that, um, that philosophy begins in wonder, right? It, it begins in that kind of like that curious spirit. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're already a philosopher. You just don't <laughs> even know it. And, and I think that, <laughs> The, the beautiful thing about philosophy too, is that it, it really is timeless, right? Like the same things that we're figuring about ourselves today in, you know, the year 2023, people were asking the same questions about themselves and going through the same issues, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. Yeah. Um, and we have the, like the luxury to pick up a book and read about someone's experience and kind of impart that knowledge onto ourselves. So, yeah. um, yeah. That that kind of brings me to so I'm I want to know a little bit more about your background, because I've seen some of your posts and you'll talk about like, you know, it sounds like maybe um, as a youth, you're kind of growing up in like maybe like a little bit of like an impoverished neighborhood and things like that. So, you know, how do you like how does that affect you? How does how do you come forward from that? You know, what are some of the lessons you've learned from kind of having maybe like a little bit of a tougher background?
1: Yeah, so um I grew up, so my mom is a migrant. She had me when she was 16 years old. And um, my real father was never in my life, but my stepdad was. And he was in my life since I was nine months old. Um, I feel like both my parents came from, you know, financial instability. My mother had her mother, my grandma, who was addicted to drugs. And my mother was the eldest of four. And my father, on the other hand, had a, a better upbringing, but still struggled financially. And, you know, his parents ended up divorcing and they went to totally two different areas. And he kind of became the black sheep, was really running the streets. And they came together and raised me. Now, growing up, initially, I did live in like the hood, you know, like an impoverished neighborhood, the hood. And mm-hmm. we ended up moving to a, a nicer um city here in California, which is, it's Galt, small, like really Republican town. And I just knew from the beginning, I just didn't fit in, you know, I, and I felt like I didn't fit in even from just my, my family. I always was a very deeper person. I was always a very emotional person. Um, I always was very curious. Like I always had To ask questions my dad would always make this joke and be like oh you're like a motor mouth like you're always talking you're always asking questions and um it presented i guess this feeling of not belonging into my family because they were so focused on breaking the financial curse so to speak you know they wanted to give us financial stability and i think that they were so focused in that that where they lacked was the emotional intelligence to raise a child like me per se so i grew up really battling with a lot of anger anger that i felt so disconnected from my parents anger that i felt so outcasted and anger just feeling very misunderstood from my peers you know i no one around me viewed life with the depth that i viewed life and growing up i i viewed that as a negative thing like there's something wrong with me that i think of things so deeply and I'm affected by things so deeply. And, and I want to know why I'm like this, or I want to know why you're like that. You know what I mean? And so um, I think being a very emotional person, I turned to drugs to kind of cope because no one ever taught me how to deal with my emotions. No one ever taught me how to process my emotions. Emotions, Emotional intelligence was not a thing in my household. Everything was like, you take it to the chin and you keep it pushing and you move forward. And so come to like my adolescent years, I started, you know, really running with crowds that were straight up hood. Never gangbangers, never no gangs or nothing like that, but just people that will rob you, people that will sell you drugs. And and I loved it. It intrigued me. I, I was just like, oh yes, this is like where where I fit in because I, I kind of was free-spirited in that sense that I liked living life on the edge. And then um, it just got me into this cycle, this repetitive cycle of just toxicity. My mentality was super toxic. I was always fighting or selling drugs. I caught my first uh, legal case, which was an assault charge at 16 years old. I caught a gun charge at 21 years old. And I'm 27, that's, that's not that long ago, you know? But I had to reach a point in my life where I just realized that a lot of who I had become was shaped by the influences that I saw by my parents, yes, but also a lot of it was just trying to find myself and where I fit into, not necessarily the world, but who I am as a person. And I had to hit mm-hmm. rock bottom with like, how I tried navigating through life to actually truly ask myself, like, who am I and who do I want to be? And I know that I don't like who I'm being now. And I don't, I know that I don't like who I've been, but how do I change that? And then that kind of like threw me into healing.
0: What, like, I mean, and if it's too personal, obviously you can, you can say skip, but yeah. like, wh- what was the moment? Like, what, what was that rock bottom moment or what was the thing that caused you to really take a look in the mirror and say, like, am I on the right path?
1: So, um, a little context, I'm an open book, by the way, I'll answer any question. but, um, I had just gotten out of an abusive relationship with the father of my children. Um, mm-hmm. and I had gotten into a whole new relationship with, Somebody else, and it was a just it was a completely different world. Like my my well, he's my husband now, and he's changed. He's never hit me ever again, which is a whole other thing. People have to go listen to my podcast for the background because I know they probably hear that and they're like, "What you got back with your abuser?" But we are Mexican, right? So our whole culture is very different. Well, the guy that I got with, he was white, and his culture was very different. So I was being exposed to. a a different way of life, but it was also very destructive because he was really hard on drugs. And so I was like always down for whatever. So I began dabbling even more into drugs. And I reached a point with him that I was like, I can know I cannot be in this relationship. Like I cannot do it. But my parents weren't talking to me because I was on drugs. I was not cool with the father of my daughter at the time. Um, And I really had nowhere to go. So I began, um, one of my friends who was an escort, she kind of took me in and we would sleep in her car. If her parents let us stay the night at her parents' house, we would stay there. And I was doing all of this with my daughter. And there was a day that came where I have $9 to my name. And I'm strung out on meth and I'm realizing that I have to remind myself to feed my daughter because I'm not hungry because I'm on meth, right? But my daughter still needs to eat because she's growing. And I remember seeing the $9 that I had and I was like, how did I get here? And my friend, I was actively trying to get her out of escorting because morally I just don't agree with that. And she was like, listen, let me go bust a date. And we'll feed your daughter. It's good. Like, don't even worry about it. And I remember I was just like, this is morally wrong, but also it's a necessity because how am I going to feed her? And she went, she busted a date. She came back. She brought the money. We fed my kid. And I just realized in that moment, how did I get here? How could I let it get here? I'm completely going against morally everything that I believe in. I'm, I'm putting my daughter in this dysfunction. And I grew up with the stability of a household, the stability of having a place to sleep, clothes on my back, food on the table. You know, what I lacked was the emotional stability, but how could it be that my parents broke these cycles and yet here I am backpedaling, you know? And it was that moment that I knew something in me needed to change. And I knew, I kind of had like this epiphany that I was allowing the suffering I had gone through in my life to drown me. And I have a daughter to raise. I can't afford to drown. I have to find a way to swim. I have to find a way to get through this because how can I expect her to be a strong person? How can I expect her to be a good woman? How can I expect her to not follow in my footsteps if I'm not leading by example? And I had enough of my my own shit. Honestly, sorry if I'm not allowed to cuss, but pretty much no, what it good. was
0: yeah cuss as much as you like okay cool <laughs> yeah so yeah um yeah i mean that that's like a really really intense awesome story i mean i you know and we'll i'll ask you this question or maybe i don't even need to ask you later in the show but i always ask people like you know if they had a life-changing moment and it, it sounds like that was kind of you know probably the one that you would call out but um the, the thing that I always come back to and I always see is that it's like when everyone has that moment and most of us have multiple moments, you know, maybe there's one that's more intense than the others, but like there are these, these times that come in your life where you kind of are able to make a choice and you, you make a choice of either I'm going to swim or I'm just going to allow this to kind of like sink me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, so often it's like the people that we look up to and the people that, you know, achieve any kind of like success that's noteworthy are the people that in those crucial moments of their life, they said, I'm going to swim. And I think in your case, I think it's really cool because you essentially, you got that motivation to swim from someone else. It wasn't necessarily like this thing I mean, it was a thing within you. It was a voice within you, but it was like looking at your daughter and saying like, I need to basically take responsibility of my own shit for her. Oh yeah. Um,
1: and I think not to get political, but I, I, my my story with my daughter, I think is why I'm so pro-life because I needed her. I needed her to to be that fire in my spirit. I don't know that if it wasn't for her, if I would have had that same desire and that same drive to change my life she was like one of the most pivotal factors in me finding the strength to be a better person and who knows how many kids could do that for their parents you know so just their little pockets in there
0: (laughs) yeah no i mean like it it makes a lot of sense because you know one of the things and um one of the One of the guys that I really like, uh, Jocko talks about this a lot, but um, he has a book called Extreme Ownership and it's, he's talking about it from a business standpoint, but it's just this idea that like you, you own everything in your business, right? And it's, Mm -hmm. I think the idea in, in life that there's a lot of philosophy to that too, but it's the idea that like most of us, we, we like to own our successes and we kind of like blame our failures on everything else. Yeah. Like if, if something good happens to us, it's like, yeah, I was, I was like hustling. I was working hard and like, I, I earned it, you know, like yeah. I I got this thing, but when something bad happens, you're like, oh, it's, it's bad luck. Or, you know, it's my parents fault or it's, you know, my boss's fault. And it's such a like shitty way to try to navigate life because at, at the end of the day, it's like everything, there's a quote by Dante that yeah. I, I posted the other day and it's, Um, you know, basically says like, you know, don't be afraid because your fate is yours. No one can take it away from you. Right. Like the good things, the bad things, everything that happens in life, like it doesn't just happen like to you, it happens for you. And then it's your responsibility as a human being to take whatever comes in life and and make it yours. Um, And, and that's what just that's what just creates strength that's what creates the human spirit that's what makes us so special
1: definitely and I feel like you know when and I used to do this a lot I I blamed everybody else but myself right for all the things that I was experiencing in life that were negative but when I switched that perspective and I was like okay I can't change the cards that I was dealt right I can't change where my parents lacked I can't change where I was born into I can't change what life has given me, but I do have the ability to change the outcome of it. And I started taking accountability for all the times that I knew right from wrong, but I still chose wrong. That I still used an excuse of, well, I didn't have my real life or my real dad or my stepdad didn't love me enough or, you know, whatever it may be. And I, I feel like, in my opinion, when you take that <laughs> accountability in your own life, it creates that space to have kind of that power and that drive to change your circumstances. And you need that accountability in order to, to attain the wisdom and, and the knowledge to move forward in your life, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's if you're on a ship and you just believe that uh, no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to change course, then you're just, you're just kind of like floating. Yeah. Um, but if, if you believe and you take the, you take the rudder a little bit and you, you steer the ship, uh, you begin to start to to influence it. Now, yep. of course, the the currents are still there. The, the wind is still there. There's still all the things you have to fight. Maybe there's like another pirate ship that's coming up beside you. That's trying to invade whatever. But like, at the end of the day, like, unless you believe that you have some sort of uh, control, then, then you don't. If you believe yes. you're hopeless, then you're, you're hopeless. Yeah. What is, and, and maybe we just covered it, but like, for someone that is going through the process of trying to, I guess, you know, get past like their trauma to get past their upbringing, to kind of move past the past.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what, what would your advice be for someone that's going through something like that?
1: I would say that extending grace would probably be, um your biggest friend for me i had to learn to extend grace to everything that to my parents and everything that they lacked i realized that a lot of the failures i experienced in my life was because i set this expectation of people because of how i think it should be or how i think they should be or me or whatever it may be or how they should show up in my life And when they didn't meet that expectation, even though it was unconscious, it affected me 10 times worse. When I extended grace and just accepted people for who they are and said, okay, my parents may not have been able to love me or teach me in this way that I would have liked, but they not only were dealing with their things, they did break this cycle and this cycle and that cycle and begin to, beginning to appreciate the things that people did do for me, even though they weren't that perfect person in my life. Um, I would say that accountability will also be another best friend of yours. Being able to hold your own self accountable for where you are failing and where you are lacking um, will be a guide and will be a teacher to not only better understand yourself, but to better navigate and cultivate the future that you want for yourself or the future you that you want and to also never give up hope one of my biggest things was that you know especially as a teenager you know I was very suicidal and I did attempt suicide once never make a permanent decision to a temporary emotion or situation or circumstance and although it seems like it's lasting forever it it it, it won't it won't, and you can either be proactive in that adversity, or you can say stagnant, and the choice is yours. And it's it, it's only it's all dependent on, on how you view it. You're only as inferior as you believe you are. You're only as stuck as you believe you are. You'll only get as far as you think you'll get. So if you aim high, you'll go high places, and you got to just be patient in the process.
0: For sure. Th- those are all like, <clears throat> all of those are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the acceptance part is obviously um, just accepting, like, st- stop trying to assign, I guess, kind of like value to kind of th- everything that happens, and just accept that things are as they are. And you know, the something that helped me, I, I have, uh, like, I have like issues with my relationship with my dad. Yeah. Um, you know, he in It's like, it's good. Like we have a good relationship now. We don't really talk that often or see each other that often. And I guess like deep down, there's still some like stuff buried there that I guess like eventually I'll pick up the phone and we'll just like hash it out one day. But um, something that really helped me a lot was just realizing that like whatever happens and this, this doesn't just go for your relationship with your parents. It goes with everybody. Relationship with others, with your your job, is like everyone is just a person, mm-hmm. and they're doing the best that they can with what they have. Yeah. And some people are are better equipped to uh, handle things better. Some people are not. Some people are more mindful of other people's feelings. Some people are not. But at the end of the day, right? Like we're just, for the most part, ninety nine percent of human beings are not out to harm anybody else. They're just trying to fulfill their own needs and they're trying to live their life the best way that they can to make themselves happy. Even even the person that's like out there that's like, you know, addicted to drugs and like robbing people to to fuel their drug habit, right? Like if you ask them like are, are do you take enjoyment from going out and harming people? Like 99% of people unless you're just an absolute psycho d- don't get you know, any enjoyment from harming or from robbing someone that just, they're doing it because they're trying to fulfill their needs. Yeah. Um And when you accept that it's like someone can hurt you and they had absolutely no intention or desire to hurt you. It's just something that they did in a misguided way of like trying to live their own life. I think that's very freeing. It can help you move past a lot of trauma for sure.
1: Definitely. And I mean, uh, I, I got to that level of enlightenment because I, I was thinking about my own journey and, I'm not a perfect person. I am the villain in someone's story, right? And I would like for them to extend me grace (laughs) in knowing that in that part of my life that I was the villain in their story, I was probably dealing with a lot of my own shit, you know? And I was surviving the way I knew how to survive. And when I thought of it for myself in that way, I, I was able to think about it in that way for others. People are genuinely just trying to survive. And every person's circumstance is different. Everyone's amount of love that they're given is different. Everyone is raised different. And if I can just be understanding to the fact that we're all having a human experience, then I think that it won't hurt me or be so impactful when those letdowns do arise or failures do arise.
0: Yeah. And and you're right. We've all been the villain in some story. I I mean, I had a... uh, About a year and a half ago, um, I went through like a really crazy breakup. I, I, I pretty much like in all my relationships, I've been like a, a chronic cheater. Now, um, I'm engaged now. I've been with, um, an amazing woman for about a year. We're, we're coming up on our year anniversary very soon, but, um, part of my process of like going through that breakup was like, she really, uh, made my life awful uh for cheating. I like I confessed and stuff mm-hmm. and I I confessed because I was feeling a lot of guilt. And I think that I was doing it kind of like for myself to kind of alleviate some of that. And experiencing both the backlash from someone, experience seeing how much pain I actually caused, like all those things caused me to to one, kind of like lose my shit a little bit. I went kind of crazy for a little while. But um it, it really was helpful in helping me to evolve as a human being, because like, I, I see cheating totally differently yeah. now than I did a year and a half ago. Yeah. And then unfortunately, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was like, Oh, you know, and this is a really, really common belief among men is like, Oh, you know, like you can still love a girl and you can cheat. Like, you're just, you know, like you're, you're just getting laid. It's, it doesn't mean anything. Like yeah. it just, it's a thing that guys do. And you know, it's, it's a thing that gets like repeated and it's a belief that gets instilled in people, but it's, it's not true. Yeah. Like it it is, it's harmful to you. It's, it's harmful to the other person. It's harmful to the relationship. It's, um, it, it really, it really fucks you up, uh, emotionally to compartmentalize the way that men are kind of taught to do with that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I actually had a conversation with my husband about that because he, he did cheat on me when we were first together. And he would always tell me that same thing, but I loved you. I just, I was an idiot. I was just young and dumb. And I told him, no, you didn't love me. You, you thought you loved me, but you didn't love me because if you loved me, you wouldn't have been able to do that because I could never do that to him ever. Like that would, that would hurting him in that way would equally hurt me just as much. And then like the last year we were just you know, we had one of those moments and he was like, dang, I never realized how much I've traumatized you with that. And he was like, just no, I could never do that to you ever again. And I, he was like, I, I love you. I'm so in love with you that hurting you like that would be hurting myself. And I was like, that's what I've been trying to tell you for years. Now you get it. When you, when you really love somebody, you just cannot, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that you know, this is why I tell people on like on my on my platform the importance of turning inwardly. Like I'm a real big believer that you have to know yourself and learn yourself. You have to really dive deep into who you are, what has shaped you, And why you have the vices that you have, or why you take the approaches that you take, or why your perception of life is the way that it is. Can you hear those notifications? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Uh, No,
0: I don't hear any notifications.
1: (laughs) My mom is texting me back to back and I'm like, girl, I told you I was going to be in a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, what I was saying is that the more one gets to know themselves and the one more the the more that one can analyze themselves and really piece the puzzles together of why they are the way that they are the more awareness they'll have to not leave such a destructive life or at least that's my opinion that's what's worked for me the more i know myself and why i am the way i am why i think the things that i think what molded my mentality what molded my survival instincts you know I was able to shift and alter the way I handle things or my approach with relationships or my approach with myself and that in turn allowed for me to create a better life for myself and it brought me closer to God like on a spiritual front it it really connected me to my faith
0: yeah that I mean that's like the the first step of uh you know I guess like addiction treatment or like Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Is you have to acknowledge that there's a problem. Yeah. If, if you can't acknowledge that there's a problem, if you don't have the self-awareness to see that it's an issue, right? Like, I mean, like using myself as an example, like if I just believe that like, you know, men cheat and that's, that's just a thing that, that we do, then it, it doesn't like, it'll never change. There, there's nothing like I can, you know, I can just tell myself, oh, I love them and I can cheat. And it, it just, you know, that's what, that's the thing we do. Yeah. it it takes the acknowledgement of like, this is wrong, or, you know, this is something that you've been doing repeatedly. That's been causing damage to yourself and to others that, um, you know, and unfortunately like it, it took me, you know, damaging uh, myself and other people a lot to, to learn that lesson. But um, you know, while I can't change what I did, I wish I could, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, all I can do is just like know that moving forward, I'm going to be different. And at the same time, like, I'm really, uh, like, I'm really a, I don't know, like, evangelical when I speak to men about like cheating yeah. at this point, right? Like, um, I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I'm like, I'm 33, I'm a black belt. So a lot of times, just doing Jiu Jitsu, you have younger guys that, you know, I run into in the locker room or whatever, and we're talking about girls or, yeah. you know, whatever stuff. And, Um, you know, I'm just like, I'll just tell them, I'm like, dude, like, don't like, don't cheat. Just, just be direct, you know, just like, just tell people what it is. And I think it's so rare, especially among men, sometimes to hear that kind of advice. Like, you know, dude, like that, like leave that thought alone and, you know, go, go to your girl, you know what I mean? Like, just don't, don't, don't talk to her. It's just, it's a waste of your time. It's, it's, there's nothing good is ever going to come of it. And, uh. Yeah, at least I can give back to the world in in that way. That was probably
1: your purpose in being that kind of person for a little bit, because you wouldn't have gotten to where you're at now had you not been that kind of person. And in your mistakes, you're able to guide other young men who didn't have that guidance that you had to think twice. And whether they do it or not, right, that's up to them. But you're planting those seeds of knowledge into them the example of like, listen, I lived it. I did it. This is where it got me. And I'm telling you, it's not the way to go. And that's a beautiful, a beautiful position to hold in someone else's life, to be able to reflect to them who they're being or who they've been and show them that like, hey, even though that's you right now, this could also be you. And this you might be more fulfilling because you know how destructive that can be.
0: Sure. So Something else that I want to talk to you, I know we we'll, are kind of going back into the relationship yeah. stuff, but, um, <clears throat> I know you post a lot about, um, you know, being a wife and your husband and your family. And, you know, you have a lot of emphasis on your posts and some of these, like, you know, I would say like more traditional kind of views on like where, you know, what roles like men and women play in relationships and traditional roles of like family and things like that. Um, what, what are some of the tips that you would give to someone um, if they, you know, either one, have a, you know, toxic relationship that they're trying to repurpose and, you know, get that spark back and get things going again, or just in general in relationships? Like, what, what advice do you have?
1: So, um, well, if, if we're talking about toxic relationships, you know, one of the, I think, fundamental things to understand is that you can't control the other person. You can't control their healing or their desire to want to be a better person. But what you can control is your desire and how you choose to heal in your life. And like I mentioned earlier, turning inwardly and really getting to know yourself and really setting a standard for yourself as a person, right? So for me personally, um, I faced all my traumas because I created the standard of a woman that I want to be. And I've been so devoted to growing because I, I wanna be a top tier mother. I wanna be a top tier woman. And and I think for me, I'm, I'm very competitive just by nature. Like I like to be the best of the best. So I like to hold myself to a high standard. Um, but I find that like the girls in my mentorship program, when I tell them to set that new standard for themselves and to only focus on what they can control, which is themselves, They begin to step into this strength and this power in their femininity that either their partner partner will rise to the occasion or dwindle off, right? And it's very rare that I see a man that's like, oh no, like I cannot, and a relationship breaks up. For the most part, the love is there. And that love sparks in that man, like, oh man, my my woman is is growing as a woman, and I want to be the man in her life. And I find that men almost like, I think it's a competitive nature in men too. They they want to meet their woman and her needs when they see her stepping into her femininity. Um, my next advice would mm-hmm. be to not be afraid of being feminine, especially in today's you know society where we make women think that femininity is equivalent to being fragile. You're not being, being feminine doesn't mean you're fragile. I actually feel like being a feminine woman is one of my strongest qualities. I, I trust in my husband's leadership. I trust in how he is as a man, as, as a protector, as a provider. And I trust that my femininity that I bring into our relationship gives him the rest of what he needs to be the best man that he is supposed to be and wants to be. And I think women need to understand that embracing the essence of your God-given gift of femininity and being nurturing and being loving and, and, and attaining this emotional wisdom and, and intelligence, it works wonders in your relationship and in your family. And I personally, I'm, I'm a lot, you've probably seen from my posts, I'm more on women's asses about being emotionally intelligent. Because I feel like mm-hmm. by design, biologically, men, yes, have emotions, but you guys, you guys are rougher on the edges because you are called to be protectors and providers. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: we're we're kind of dumb sometimes yeah. too. We're just sometimes we're just kind of you know? stupid. And
1: that's where the the knowledge yeah. of a woman comes in. I don't expect yeah. my man to leave me emotionally because by design he is meant to be the warrior of our family. If if someone comes into our family, you're gonna be you're gonna protect us. I'm your wisdom. As a woman who was gifted this depth and this emotional just hormone from a hormonal aspect, right? The emotions that I have as a woman. If you harbor it and you know how to cultivate it and you become emotionally intelligent, you give your man that wisdom that creates like the most harmonious balance in our relationship. So that would be like my two biggest advice. And then communicating and comprehension. Like, don't be scared to have the uncomfortable conversations. Know what you want, know how to articulate mm-hmm. it. Delivery is half the problem. Make sure you're coming from a place of love when you speak about what you want and make sure you know what it is that you want. No one is a mind reader. You know, my my husband and I have had okay. to have so many uncomfortable conversations where I'm like, you know what? You're not meeting this need, you know? And I need you to try these things to meet it. Cause I feel like that would be better for me. And same with him. I open myself to criticism up all the time. And usually I'm the one that's like, Hey babe, like checking in with you. Have I been doing my part as your lady? Do you feel like there's something more that I could be doing? Like, are you okay with our sex life? Are you okay with how I'm supporting you? Like, do I look good? Those kinds of things matter to me. It matters to me to please him in every way. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think no one should look at that as a bad thing. I think if you choose a life partner, their desires should also be your desires to an extent.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's all, I mean, again, all really, really great advice and wisdom there. Um, my, so my fiance. Um, she, she's totally, totally different from anyone that, you know, I've ever been with. So she's, she's from Venezuela too.
1: Um,
0: so obviously just, you know, yeah, just different, like different cultural background, like different, different views on kind of like, you know, what femininity is and masculinity. And one of the things there's, there's a lot of things that I just, I'm crazy about her for. Um, but one of the things that I just think it just brings this like fire out in me is, like the openness of her love and also just like the the actual acceptance of me and like respect to me as a man because in so many of my past relationships like and I'm not trying to like toot my own horn but like in general yeah. right like I'm I feel like I'm a pretty good catch yeah. right like um I you know I got a good career I got a lot of good things yeah. going I'm a black belt I you know I work out twice a day I'm healthy I'm I read, you know, like I, I do a lot of things to, to make myself, you know, I feel what would be desirable to a lot of people. And um, despite that, I feel like a lot of times I would get in relationships and it's like there's this complacency comes in and I, it's like the person doesn't really appreciate you anymore. And it's kind of like they, they've stopped bringing their, their best game to the table. They kind of get lazy. It's like they, they've got you now. And then It's like all the little criticisms start and it's like, you know, like, oh, Shane, like every time you come home, you know, you, you leave a sock outside of the, the, the basket or whatever. And it's like the, the way that you come at me, it just feels very disrespectful and it's like not peaceful. And it's like, you're like belittling me as a man, kind of like it's, it's, and maybe that's just a thing in men that like our ego is just so fragile that we just don't like that. And we don't like being bossed around. But you know, with uh, my fiance, it's it's just it's a totally different experience. And I'll, I'll give you an example to to show you what I'm saying. So, when we were first together, um, I got sick and my nose was super stuffed up, and I was like snoring. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was snoring, and I just couldn't like stop it. And I remember it was in the middle of the night. We'd been together for a couple of months, and she. She, she'd like laugh if she, if she ever listens to this podcast, but uh, you know, she, she like tapped me real softly. She was like, baby, baby. and She's like, you're snoring. Like, can you roll over on your side? And she just hugged me and like gave me a kiss and I rolled over. And to me, like, I just it, it like melted me because, you know, I know how I am about my sleep and someone snoring next you, you just want to like put a pillow over their face and be like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Like I'm trying to sleep. Right. But she was so, she was so like loving and gentle and caring about it. And <clears throat> that's like the energy she brings to our whole yeah. relationship. And it just makes me want to be perfect. It makes me want to be the protector. It wants me, makes me want to bring like my, my A game and be the man that I feel like she sees me yeah. as. And I think that's the thing that like I would say to a lot of women is that's like, if you treat your man like a child, he's going to feel like a child. He's going to act like a child. You're going to see him as a child. But like, if you treat him like the man that you want him to be, or you treat him like the man he can be, like, I feel like a lot of men, we will rise to the occasion. It, you, you just got to give that love and support. Yeah,
1: and see know? a lot of, a lot of women in today's day and age, they equate being a nurturing, loving woman to raising a man. And, it's like those two are are definitely not the same thing. I don't love my husband the way that I love my son. I love my husband as my husband, <laughs> you know what I mean? Similar love, similar right. nurturing, similar, you know, I'm your backbone, but very much different. And I'm, too often I see that women think that those two are the same things. And I'm like, no, they're not. You gotta be able to to know the difference, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, I feel like so much of it is just like this modern idea of like, and I'm not like, I'm not against feminism, right? Like feminism makes sense to me, right? Like, everyone, there should be equality, like women should have rights that, you know, are equal to men, you know, I, I agree with these things. But there's this like modern idea where it's kind of like, I'm a strong, independent woman, and I don't need no yeah. man. And it's like, that idea is like, kind of destructive, because it's like, we we kind of need each other, yeah. like we, we balance each other. And you know, additionally, it's like if you're so dead set on being independent that you don't ever need anyone or you don't want anyone, like what are you really probably going to bring to a relationship? You know, it's not that much. Like a lot of people are probably not going to want to be with a person like that, whether you're a man or a woman. Like, wh- who wants to be with the person that's just like, I don't need you, I don't want you, like I can do everything on my yeah. own, right? It just sounds kind of it, uh,
1: it is, and it's it's a very masculine approach for women to take. You know men you guys naturally i mean you you want somebody you want a life partner but if it was based on your survival you really wouldn't need one you know what i mean because you guys are designed to survive women in order to survive have to take on a masculine approach to life and the thing is when when you're being masculine you're not attracting a masculine man because masculine men want their opposite they want a feminine woman when you're being a masculine woman, you're attracting actually feminine men, men that will just bend the knee to everything that you say. And then you find that you're unhappy because you keep attracting weasels, you know, and then you're like, there's something wrong with men. And it's sure. like, no, there's something wrong with what you attract. And part of it is because you haven't stepped into your, your femininity. So, of course, masculine men are going to overlook you. They don't want a woman who's hyper independent and doesn't need a man. They, they want to be needed. You guys are meant to be needed. That's why you guys are meant to be protectors and providers. You know what I mean? So it's a very interesting femininity nowadays. (laughs) Feminism, I mean, nowadays.
0: Well, and and that'll lead us into, you know, kind of the last point I wanted to touch on a little bit was, um, you know, obviously just from what you post, it's, it's very clear that, you know, you have a lot of belief sets that um, well, you know, I don't think you're me personally. I don't think that you're yeah. right wing, um, right? A lot of the the modern political landscape would would label you as you know somewhat like right wing. You know, even though you seem more like just kind of like libertarianish. You know, you want you want freedom for everyone, kind of general equality, but you know maybe you have some more like traditional views on certain things. So, you know, given your background and where you came from, you know your your family backgrounds like you know what's it like with your belief set the way that it is i mean do you feel like you kind of don't belong in that sense or do you surround yourself with people that have a similar viewpoint or so like you know how, how does that work into your life so
1: ironically um my grandfather used to be a radio news anchor for cnn he is super super lefty and we do not agree politically whatsoever And my parents never were into politics. And if I'm being quite honest, neither was I, but I do see how growing up in the environment that I grew up in, in this whole like victim mentality that I was taking to life when I was engaged in like hood culture and just being a degenerate, right? I actually was a lot more left back then than I thought, you know? the the rhetoric that you see from the left definitely was my mentality. Um what what changed all of that was me healing. When I started healing and I started taking accountability for myself and I started like transforming my life, it completely shifted my perspective of reality. It completely was like, oh wow, I was living under this straight up like illusion of what I think the world is. And a lot of it had to do with because the the simple fact that I was viewing the world through the lens of my own suffering. So I thought the world owed me something. Once I took back power of my life, I found the power within myself and realized that, like you said earlier, things are not done to you. They're, they're done for you. And so I began to talk politics and my parents at first were like, what the heck, my friends for sure were like, girl, you're losing us, but then I started like breaking things down for them, like logistically, like logically speaking, think about this for a second. I started having these conversations and everyone kind of started like, okay, that does make sense. And I still have a lot of very lefty friends. I don't agree with their whole perception of life. I don't agree with how they live it. I don't agree with their just, how they think life should be. But also because I've healed from a spiritual aspect, I also see how they haven't healed very much in their lives. So I could almost bet money that their whole perspective of politics stems from that. Because I was once there. Um, now on a social media like front, um, I definitely lost a lot of followers. I definitely had a lot of people that were like, you're a traitor. I've had a lot of Mexicans tell me that like, I'm just trying to kiss the boots of white people and this and that, and I'm not for my people anymore. And I'm just like, no, I'm very much live and let live. Do what the fuck you want with your life, but don't force that shit down me. You know what I mean? And don't make me, don't try to convince me I'm inferior when I've overcome so many obstacles in my life. And for sure, don't do that to the next generation. Because I, more than anybody, know that you are what you believe you are. You are what you you think. Your thoughts become your reality. Your reality reality becomes how you feel. How you feel determines your actions. And your actions determine your consequences. And if that shit is not aligned, you're not going to have a successful life. If you're stuck in a victim mentality and always feeling inferior, you're going to believe it. And you're not going to be able to make decisions in your life that, you know, take you to where you want to be. So I definitely felt yeah. outcasted from a social media front. But when it comes to family, I think, um, I mean, I can back my shit. Let's, let's sit at Thanksgiving dinner and let's go head to head with politics because I will yeah. defend everything I stand on. <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, it's interesting too because um, you've been seeing a lot. Um, maybe I feel like, yeah, generally – I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like a lot of, you know, people who actually like descended from Mexico a lot of times maybe tend to be a little bit more left, but for a lot of Latin America, like, you know, Venezuela, Cuba, Colombia, like a a lot of Latin America is coming over and they're like not down for like the socialism stuff. They're not down for like wealth distribution, like, because you know, they saw what happened when they put trust in the government and the government started to take control. Um, they've experienced it. And they're like, we're not, we're not doing this again. Like, even though they may agree with like some of like, you know, some of like the social programs and things like that, you know, they, they don't want a government that takes too much control. And at the end of the day, you know, going back to kind of like libertarianism roots, I mean, that's what it's all about is it's like, it's not about not wanting to help people or not to provide like basic needs. It's about like, once you give power to the government to do something or to make a decision for people, you can never take that back. And that, that's, that's the scary thing is that like, you, you give this, this power over and you just, you, you never get a chance to, to undo it. And they just take more and more and more. Um, you know, that's why like the founding fathers in America were, were so, against government and like strong central government because they just, they knew what happened. They saw it, they lived it. Um, and that's where, you know, I, that's kind of where I always go back to is it's just like, I just don't want the government to be deciding how people are living their lives in general or, or where people's money is going or, um, you can, you know, putting, putting all the other stuff as far as like, you know, maybe if you're more conservative in values or not, you know, you have to ask yourself like, do you want the government to decide for you? Yeah. Um, and obviously, look there there are things that you know we can go back and forth on like which part of the the spectrum you fall on, and you know maybe you want the government to decide this thing but not this thing, but uh, yeah, I and that's just to... getting more into the intricacies. Yeah, they,
1: <laughs> they can't decide shit. <laughs> I don't want them deciding. <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> but you know, no, I where it, it to see because we are very, um, I feel like we're very liberal in the sense that we are very giving people. We want to see everyone su- succeed. We're very, we'll give the shirts off of our back. We'll lend a helping hand. You know, that's how we are. And everyone who knows like Mexican culture, we're like that. You'll see like all the primos and the tios in the front yard hooking up the concrete. You know what I mean? <laughs> we come together, mm-hmm. but morally, right? We hold a lot of conservative values. Morally, yeah. we are very mm-hmm. much God, family, hard work. Leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. You know, we take shit to yeah. the chin and we, we pave the way in our life. You know, we're Mexicans and I'm Mexicans. So it's, it's a trip to see that like the newer generation. And I think it's because, you know, the older generation, because their lack of, um, access to education a part of the migrants that came here was like you need to go to school you need to get an education because getting an education was like that's high class you know and you're going to take our our family to the next class with your education and i feel like a lot of our politicians and the government saw that if they can infiltrate the institutions they can infiltrate the minds of the next generations which is why we see so many young you know mexican americans that are just completely going yeah. left and it's like you're rejecting the values that were instilled in us the very values that made it successful for our migrant parents here you know so it's it's kind of a it's, it's really trippy to sit back and watch
0: yeah they they got uh they got involved in the indoctrination factories yes. unfortunately yes. um i you know I actually i have this i have a theory right like and it i think that like latin america may may be the the thing that saves america that's what i'm hoping is like you have so many people that are coming in so many refugees that are fleeing these countries looking for a better life they're coming in with like kind of more of the traditional idea of america like coming in looking for freedom looking for the ability to just come in and work hard and you know build a life for themselves and also a lot more of those like conservative, like, you know, family values that you would talk about. And it's like, I, I just have this like hope that this this ins, this insurgence of like migrants that are just being allowed to come into the country because, you know, politicians are looking to kind of pander mm-hmm. to these people and hopefully earn their vote so that they'll vote a certain way. I, I just like... I just have this feeling that like this influx is going to come in and hopefully start bringing back some of those values that i think we've kind of lost as a society and as a country
1: i think that's why what we do as people is so important you know what i mean it's so important for me to be a mexican american voice on my platform that is giving different views from what is being mainstream and platform because culture and i think this is where like a lot of um like really radical democrats and lefties got it right they understood the power of influence on culture. And right now we're in this technology era and we have to use that to our tactical advantage. You know, they did it, now it's our turn to do mm-hmm. it. And the thing with people that are more libertarian or conservative is we naturally are like, we're naturally like, we got better shit to do you know what I mean? There's so much more we could be doing in our day because we know that we've got one life to live. Let's spend it learning. Let's spend it cultivating something, making something, you know, as to where on the other side, everything is just like, let's bitch about every single little thing and let's talk about it all the time. But I think if like more libertarians and conservatives were to like set a time, like set time aside to be more open about their values and their views and use the culture and technology to their advantage, I think it'll plant a lot more seeds. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. it's yeah, a good strategy because that's all kids watch nowadays, TikTok and Instagram and, you know, we gotta know how to adhere to where they learn best and plant those seeds just as much as the left did in our institutions, our educational institutions.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the the way to change is uh, you know both improving yourself and and being a good example, but also you have to be able to you know reach out to others and uh, social media. That's that's the game changer right there for sure. All right, so I want to want to kind of start wrapping up. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, these these questions that I like to ask to all the guests, Um, and I think I'm going to know the answer to or at least a answer to this one, but, um, do you, do you have any personal heroes?
1: Definitely God. Um, he's my hero. Um, but I would say, I think, um, my heroes for sure, like in the physical flesh would be both my parents. Um, I feel like my, my parents are both polar opposites. You know, they are completely opposite type of people. Their moral foundations are opposite. Mm -hmm. They're, perspective of life is opposite, but they each have instilled in me such great values and such a great, like moral compass that I feel like I'm really grateful for. And I, as much as they're opposites and as much as like they failed in certain aspects, it gave me so much knowledge and really just kind of gave me the foundation of like the kind of person that I want to be. And I was able to get a little bit of this from my mom and a little bit of this from my dad. And everybody in life actually, and then just make it what's best for my life. And I'm really grateful for that. So definitely my parents and God.
0: Awesome. Those are I was thinking you might throw your daughter in there too, but um <laughs> that that's like that's the big answer I keep getting is family. Oh yeah. You know, it I was expect I was expecting Steve Jobs, you know, whatever, but it's it's family. family. That's that's the hero. So <laughs> um What about, uh, do you you have like two books you'd recommend if you could recommend two books then? Okay, so I
1: actually have three because I have to throw yours in there. And this is not like, for anyone listening and watching, it's definitely not, he did not tell me to promote or nothing like that. But for sure your book, one, because it really just, like I told you before, I never studied philosophy, right? But the way that you, like when you, when you quote some of these people, right, obviously their literature will be on the tougher side to read, but I feel like the way that you explain their mind simplifies it's in such a way that like really makes me just want to keep freaking reading. Like it just makes me want to keep reading. Um, your book is really, really good. So definitely yours. Um, my second. I
0: really appreciate that. Yeah, Thank you. you're
1: welcome. My second one, this is like on a political front, okay? So this would be like history and like knowledge and wisdom, political front, blackout, Candace Owens. It is my fave. This one, I would say I recommend to anybody who feels like they're borderline of like, don't know where they're at with politics, want to kind of get to know a little bit more, maybe challenge their um, views, you know, or, or what they thought things were. That one's a really good book. And then I would say on a spiritual front, uh, Meister Eckhart's Book of Secrets. This is a poem book. And I know people are probably like, why poetry? But the way these poems are written out, they just plant so many seeds of wisdom and hope. And it kind of gets you thinking. Like you read a poem in one of these books and you're like, you're applying that to your life, and it's just one of those books that you, it takes you into deep thought, but also a, a deep appreciation to the writer. Honestly, I freaking love this book. So this is like my favorite book, spiritually. So those would be my three books that I recommend.
0: Awesome. The the You said it was Candace Owens. Is that the second one? The is Candace it, Owens Blackout. Name? Yeah, so I, I've seen her, like, I've seen clips of her, like, speaking and stuff. And I always thought, like, she was really, really interesting, the things she had to say. So I'm glad you pointed that one out, because I'm definitely gonna, I'm definitely gonna check that book.
1: Yeah, out. it's a really good read. There's <clears> another <throat> one, but it's like, super, like, intellectual. I'm gonna share it anyways. Um, uh, dis- What is it? Disparities? Discrimination and Disparities by Thomas Sowell. So that one is a harder okay. read. But that one is a really, really good read from just like a real intellectual, political standpoint. Like the way he just lays out history politically and like the government, It it's definitely one of those like eye-opening books that you're like, oh, shoot, this puts things into a different perspective for me. That's a really good book too but it is harder to read that okay. well for me it was i was like man i can only go through like two pages at a time because it's a lot of big words right now
0: <laughs> but it's a good- yeah uh man some of the philosophy some of the philosophy books that i've read throughout the years i mean they're so terrible some of them like i mean uh like everyone's crazy in the philosophy world about like Immanuel kant but Oh my God! Reading his writing, or really even Aristotle's writing, is really awful to be honest. It's like you you feel like you're reading like a giant like math equation or something. And it's it's like how am I reading like philosophy? And I feel like I'm reading math or something.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh. So yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just the the presentation for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's
1: why I like how your book lays it out. I like that you quote them, but I also like that you you kind of you you simplify it. You know, you put it in words that like people can understand when they're reading it. And I, I feel like I that can, was
0: that was definitely. The yeah, goal. I
1: can. I feel like I sense your passion for philosophy while I'm reading your book, which is also cool, too, because it kind of makes you feel a part of it. You know, like I feel like I'm reading your excitement as you're explaining a time frame or a person or where they were at. So I really enjoy that about your book.
0: I, I really appreciate that. You're giving me some awesome feedback. Yeah, I appreciate you're you. are Welcome. Um. All right. What about um? What about daily habits? I like to always ask everybody about the habits. Do you have any like habits you run through every day to kind of help keep you on track? Uh,
1: definitely. Um. I like to wake up. I like to have myself a cup of tea. Um, I've been trying to not be on my phone in the morning and rather do something else that's productive. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah. Definitely opening all the freaking blinds and letting light in opening the front door and getting some fresh air um, and just being really mindful throughout my day if the things that I'm doing are aiding me mentally, spiritually, and emotionally or just causing me to be stagnant. Like I like to be a very productive person. I like things to be very orderly. I like things to run smooth. Um, so pretty much eating good, working out, getting a, trying to get a workout in, um, trying to feed myself something in terms of like knowledge, um, and also being very present. I've been really trying to be as present as possible with the kids and with my husband. Cause I feel like it. sometimes I think maybe as a mom, you get so consumed with everything that you're trying to do. And then like also pursuing my own passions with like social media and the podcast and the things that I'm passionate about, like reading and learning that, um, I can easily be like, oh, I'm not carving enough time out for my husband or for my kids. So trying to get into those daily habits. And I feel like it's constantly shifting, which is what I want to tell people too. It's, you could start one habit and it's good for like three months, but then something gets thrown at you and you got to change the routine for the next six months. You know, it's, it's constantly changing as you're just going through life.
0: For sure. Yeah. All, all great habits, all, all stuff that I'm trying to do, especially you mentioned like the, trying to be more present. It's, it's tough when you're like working a job and running all of your passions and your side things and trying to be there in a relationship and stuff. It's, it's very easy to get just caught up in like the whirlwind of activity and just forget to kind of like breathe and just be And just slow down. Just to be with someone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think probably for like our type of personalities, you seem like a person that's a very much like a go getter. I think you're, you probably challenge yourself the most. It, it's kind of hard to, to just slow down. And I, lately I've been thinking about like why I am the way that I am. And I think that honestly, I think it comes from the pressure that I had as a kid to just, I'm the elder, oldest sibling, you know what I mean? And I felt like I always had this pressure to just be the best. Then I'm realizing that I, mm-hmm. I developed this like, go-getter mentality which is good when you apply it right but also now i'm kind of like learning to like be okay with like chill for a sec you know be okay with like if i can't knock all the things out i wanted to today it's fine i'll do it tomorrow you know so that's that's been kind of interesting thing that i'm navigating through like with myself
0: yeah back to what you said at the very beginning balance, balance like where we started off the show all right, and so the last question—I love this one. Uh, any any advice, like if you could go back in time, speak to—I don't know, you know—a fourteen-year-old, a fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old version of yourself, and give yourself a piece of advice. Uh, what would it be?
1: I would definitely tell myself to be more present. Um, I would tell myself that the depression I was experiencing doesn't last forever, and to enjoy life, even though it felt like I was drowning in my suffering. And I would tell myself that it's all purposeful, even though I don't understand it now, I will one day and to keep the faith and keep the hope because there is that light at the end of the tunnel. And so long as I am pushing forward, I will see it one day and to just have patience and and trust in God's, you know, God's walk for me.
0: You, your advice was basically like every top answer that I've had so far that's been repeated and you gave them like all as one giant piece of advice. That's that's awesome. All, all yeah. All great advice for sure. Thank you. All right. Um, so I think we're going to be wrapping up here. Uh, do you, do you have any links or anything you'd like to kind of share with the audience to check you out? Obviously I'll put links down in the description too, but um, anything you want to shout out? Anything you're working on? Yeah,
1: like you guys can definitely give me a follow uh, at my like personal content page, which is at i c y a y m e underscore. Um, that kind of just gives you like insight on who I am as a person. If you like more serious things, where I talk about like the knowledge that I've obtained obtained in life and the testimony of other people, for sure, give my podcast page a follow. Uh, which is available on Spotify, Apple music, pretty much anywhere. There's a podcast and that is at for the souls podcast and just reach out. We'll give it a listen. It's pretty, pretty cool stuff.
0: Awesome. Well, Amy, I had a really great time speaking with you this evening. Um, Look forward to, uh, you know, seeing you to continue to expand and hopefully the, the podcast for you goes really great. also Yeah,
1: likewise. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so glad that you're doing this and I can't wait to finish your book so I can fully give you a full review of what I thought of it all.
0: Awesome. I appreciate it. It was great talking to yeah, you yeah you
1: as well. Have a great night.
0: You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, and hopefully you learned at least one lesson on today's episode. Our mission here is to uncover practical wisdom to create a better way of living for our audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us by leaving the show a review on your podcast platform of choice and by giving it a share on social media. This really helps us to grow our audience and to continue to add more episodes. If you are interested in learning more, please check out our website at renaissance-wisdom.com Or check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now on Amazon. Thank you again, and may wisdom be your guide.